Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple of spots. These are two key passages for today's study, one in Isaiah 30 and the other in Mark 6. And if you're joining us for the first time, we are in a new series called Hearing God. And sort of the foundation of it is that the Bible says that all believers, every one of us, are in a battle to connect with and to hear God clearly so that we can know God, we can trust God and depend on God. You can't know God, depend on God and trust God if you're not hearing him clearly. Why? Because it's a relationship, right? And God wants that relationship strong. He wants that relationship intimate. He wants that relationship life-changing because that's what solid relationships in our lives do. They change us for the better. But in order for those things to happen, we need to be with him and we need to hear him personally, clearly, and regularly. That's what we talked about in part one. And then from there, where we're moving now is we're talking about the four battles that we have to win. These are four rhythms and disciplines that involve forces that are very real in our lives. And depending on which force wins, we will hear God more or we will hear God less. And that's what we talked about last week, is we talked about um, the, the battle of winning more slow in our lives versus the devil winning more hurry, right? Because you can't be in a hurry and have quality anything. Can't have quality relationship with God when you're always in a hurry. Can't have a quality relationship with people when you're in a, in a hurry. And our conclusion was this, is that with God, slower is better, right? You have to slow yourself physically and mentally to know God and to hear God. Now, today in part three, we're talking about that's the second battle. So the first battle was you gotta win slow over hurry. The second battle is you have to win quiet over noise. And this is really important. And as we begin this discussion of winning quiet over noise, can we just all like stack hands as a community uh, of men and agree on one indisputable fact? And it's this, the modern world is very noisy. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah, the modern world is very noisy. It's demanding, it's digital. Right, And it has the ability, listen, to easily drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit, God's voice in your life. And we know this. I mean, the most immediate consequence to being in, in, a, in a world, an environment, in spaces and places where just, just a lot of noise and a lot of digital bombardment um, is that you lose your ability to communicate. Like, you know, imagine you're, you're at a party and there's somebody that you really wanna connect with, but it's so loud, all right? So the consequence of being in that environment, it's loudness, it's noisiness, is that you can't hear them. But the solution is equally simple. You remove yourself from the noise so that you can communicate with that person and talk with them, right? Remove the noise, it gets quieter, now we can talk, and now you can hear what I'm saying, I can hear what you're saying, and we got a connection. 
but that's the juxtaposition. In the noise, you gotta remove yourself out of it and get and find the quiet. And every one of us has probably done that. You're in a room, phone rings, it's something somebody super important to you, right? If you're married, maybe it's your wife, you're dating, maybe it's your girlfriend, or in a work context, maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's a client, and you say what? Excuse me, I need to take this, right? And that's kinda what we're talking about here in winning the battle of quiet over noise, right? You create space to hear. I'm gonna say that one more time. In the battle of quiet versus noise, you create space to hear, or you will miss a vital source of input in your life, and you will miss a moment of input that affects your life. Did you hear me? If you don't create space to hear, you're gonna miss a source of vital input, and you're gonna miss a moment that will affect your life. It's not neutral. You're gonna miss something. Something's gonna happen. There will be uh, a consequence. So let's have a spiritual reality check. If God is truly the most vital source of input in your life, in my life, then we will create a space in the midst of the noise or not. There's your reality check, man of God. The Bible says that strong blessing, this is the impact of creating space and getting quiet to hear from God. This is the consequence of doing that, which is strong blessing follows true hearing of God. Now you know from the most vital source of input you can possibly have. But true hearing requires strong actions to create, listen, real quiet, parenthetically, just like Jesus did. And we will get to that later on in today's session. So with those things in mind, here's where we're going. We're gonna look at the choices that every man in a relationship with God makes, right? We're making them right now. Second, we're gonna get God's mind on our noisy world. Third, we're gonna watch Jesus do quiet. Kind of funny to juxtapose. Do you do quiet? Yes, you do, right? Because he's our model and he's our mentor. And then we're gonna look at the power of quiet in our lives like we did last time, all right? So if you, if you downloaded the notes, take those out. And we're gonna start by talking about how God says that every believer, every guy listening, everybody in the, the men's global live stream community, you got two choices, right? And listen to God outline those two choices that we all have in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 to 17. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle but the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you, five of them will make you all flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. Whoa, okay, so there's, 
God talking about the choices that we have as his people. And let's make three simple observations about what God just spoke to us through his word. And the first observation is this, every man makes space for God or not. Right now, all of us right now, either we're making space for God in our lives or we're not, right? By decision or by default. Listen to what the scripture says. God says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength. It's the picture of a people who are in relationship with God going to that relationship, right? Going to a space, right? They're returning to a person and a place and they're resting in that place and in that person. And as they're with that person, the force of that person's presence keeps them on the quieter side. And then this mystical, supernatural thing happens. His confidence becomes their confidence. Right? That, that's the choice. So we're, we're making space for that with God, that place and person, or we're not. Second observation, every man chooses his source of input for life. God goes on to say, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll get our help from Egypt. And they're gonna give us stuff and that's gonna meet our need. Okay, in this, in this instance, we're, we're gonna get horses and we're gonna flee and we're gonna go, right? And, and so you see in the text and in God's word um, that, that's speaking to us right now that, all right, you got a choice, you're gonna make space for me and in that space, this is what happens, but you're not a robot. You gotta choose that. You gotta decide who is the vital source of input, who is the vital source of help, and then you will move to that source of help and input and you will, you will avail yourself to that. Third observation is every man experiences the consequences of that choice, right? You make space or we don't, we choose our source of input for life, and then based on the source of input that we choose, we're gonna, we're gonna experience the consequences of that, right? Now in the text, God makes it clear. You can choose me and this is what you get, right? You can get peace and confidence and rest and salvation, right? Or if you would have none of that, and you choose the world, you choose yourself, right? You get fear and, and fleeing when you decide to live life out of and from the world's input and your own input, all right? There's your choice, right? And there's the consequences, the confidence or fear, rest and peace, right? Through God's presence or the enemy chasing you down a state of constant anxiety. Whoa, right? Right there, that's prophetic, all right? And should be convicting, but we're all making these choices. And if you do, listen, this is the, pot, the plus side, and I think that's why all of us are here. If we do choose to make space for God, it's gonna be a battle. That's what we're saying in this series, hearing God. And there's also a blessing. Listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9. It says, the words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler among 
fool. So do you see the compare and contrast? I kind of alluded to that in the setup, but the Bible states that it's a compare and contrast of environments in which we hear wisdom and wise words. Like my guess is, is that you guys are separating yourselves in some way. You've gotten away. You're in a coffee shop. You're in your chair. You're, you're on a run. You're separate. And you're listening to the sound of my voice. Why? Because you want to hear the word of God. You're hungry to hear wise words. But then the other environment is where there's just a lot of shouting. The picture is where there's a ruler and there's a crowd of fools. And he's trying to get the attention of fools who are talking amongst themselves and they can't hear the ruler, the one with the wise words, talking. Boy, what a picture of today's culture, right? It's very rare that we get to separate ourselves, to hear wise words. It's a discipline, it's a battle. Really, the prevailing winner in all of this is the crowd and the noise. And the Bible teaches very, very clearly that if you want to hear wisdom, you wanna hear wise words, you gotta get quiet, right? So just reaffirming what the point that, that we're making here, all right? So since God has already offered himself, right? He says, you know, you return to me, you rest in me, you create quiet space for me, you choose me as your source of input. I've already offered myself. Because that's true, God says, I will not compete for your attention. Write that down. I have already offered myself. I'm not gonna chase you. I'm not gonna twist your arm. I'm not gonna nag you. I'm not gonna compete for space in your life. You gotta want a relationship. There has to be reciprocity. He has a desire to connect with you and he makes himself available, but we have to discipline ourselves to create a space and make a space in our lives for quiet and for listening and hearing from God. So let's transition now. There's the baseline for quiet versus noise, just kind of setting it up, right? You got a couple choices, you choose your source of input. God ain't competing for your attention, it's a discipline. Now let's get God's mind on our noisy world. This is comforting to me and I hope it comforts you. Number one, God knows it's noisy, okay? Write that down, God knows it's noisy, right? And we see this from the get-go in scripture in Exodus 29 as God is, is leading Moses, as he's leading his leader who's caught up in a million plus people, a lot of needs, a lot of noise, a lot of demands, a lot of responsibilities. God gives Moses an encouragement in the middle of the noise. Listen to what he says in Exodus 29, 42. He says, for the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. I love this. So Moses is told by God, hey, listen, there's gotta be a separate space. There's gotta be a separate place for you to hear from me so that you can live out of our relationship to lead the people. What does he tell Moses to do, right? He says, there's gonna be worship and you're gonna establish the tent of meeting and in the tent of meeting, 
there, keyword, there, two things happen. I will meet with you and I will speak with you. That was God's desire then. God knows it's noisy. That's God's desire today. His desire to connect with his people who love him does not change. And he realizes that in the midst of the noise, you've got to carve out a tent of meeting, right? Can I ask you a question? Where's your tent of meeting? In the middle of all the noise. My guess is it's, you know, for some of you, it's your bark lounger with your side table where you can put your coffee, your Bible's there, pen's there. Some of you, it's outdoors, okay? Your tent of meeting is nature. For some of you, because of your work schedules, your tent of meeting is your car in a parking spot. That's your tent of meeting. So my point is, it's not the type of place, it's not location. It's just a space that's set aside for you and God, and God promises if you, if you create a tent of meaning, I'm gonna meet you and I'm gonna speak with you in the middle of all the noise. So that's number one, God knows it's noisy. Number two, God calls us to a space and place of quiet. So the dominoes are kind of falling here. Look at Exodus 33, God's continuing this, this relationship with God's man, Moses, and so what becomes Moses' practice? What does God call him to do? He says, hey, establish the tent of meeting. Let's read Exodus 33, seven. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. So there's God's direct voice saying, establish it. And then there's people witnessing what's happening and they're like, well, there he, there he goes again. And there he goes again. And there he goes again. He's got maybe, I don't know, maybe he's got an animal, an ox, a donkey, a horse that's carrying, you know, these things so that he can set up this space um, and he does it regularly. Where is it located, okay? Um, it's some distance away. And again, you see the need for separation. The camp is noisy. He pitches the tent some distance away, right? And you see do the, Jesus do this as well, where there's the noise and then there's the tent of meeting. There's the place of communion with God, right? So I want you to see those two things. What's God's mind on our noisy world? Well, number one, he knows it's noisy. Number two, he's calling us to a space and place of quiet. Number three, God speaks up when we quiet down. Can I get an amen on that one? God speaks up when we create a space and place for us to quiet down. Let's see what happened with Moses, who creates the space. He goes to that space. What happens in that space? Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So there you have it. God speaks to a man. Intimate, personal, understandable, meaningful communication. When the Bible says that God spoke to Moses um, as one speaks to a friend, that means that it was uh, safe and easily received because 
that person that he's speaking with has has a, has place in his life and their safety in that person's place in his life. So when we see God's mind on our noisy world and we see his desires for God's man, we see that winning an absent, absence of noise meant uh, three things, okay? And this is just now where we gotta have the elements of eliminating the absence of noise. Number one, it's external quiet. Right? You need external quiet. That, what does that mean? That means um, your environment. It, it's gotta, you gotta work to be in an environment where you eliminate noise of every kind, right? That's external quiet. Like for me, that's in my study before anybody gets up, right? Early in the morning, house is quiet. The only thing that I can hear is maybe the heater in the winter, if that comes on. But it's completely silent. The neighborhood is silent. The house is silent. Nobody is up. I need external quiet to hear, right? But then there's that whole monster called internal quiet. Write that down. You need external quiet. You need internal quiet. And that's, that's not outside of you, noise outside of you. That's noise inside of you. That's, 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 that's you replaying that lousy conversation. That, that's you thinking about a conversation that you gotta have today. It's, it's you having a, a mental conversation with somebody who, who hurt you. It's that running you know, commentary you know, in, in your brain. It's fantasies, it's worries, it's, it's lustful thoughts, right? It's in, internal things and conversations that redirect our thoughts away from God, right? So not only do you need external quiet, but you need internal quiet. Because we could, again, as we said last time, you can be physically present but mentally absent, all right? And just think about yourself meeting with someone, and they're there physically, but you can tell their head is just somewhere else. Their body language, their eyes, their responses, they're, they, they, they're having a whole nother deal going on inside their head. Now, now, now think about your relationship with God and when you're externally quiet and you're physically present but you're mentally absent. Okay, so I want you to demystify this whole thing of, of getting quiet in your head. It just means that you're present and available to the person in front of you. Just kind of like that. If we were together, I'd sit across the table and just, okay, here I am. And, the, and you would know that I was there for you. And that's really the key to getting quiet. You go physically, you go mentally, but then third, the third kind of quiet is relational quiet. And that goes to what I just talked about. It's your attitude, right? It's, it's where you're saying by your physical quietness and your mental quietness, that my attitude is I'm here right now for nobody else but you. And even though I like to be 
verbally quiet in my quiet time, I don't talk a ton, I will at the outset say something like, Father, I'm here just for you. I'm here for you. And I like to, just because it helps me quiet myself down internally, sometimes I'll just put my hand on my chest. And then I will say those words, Father, I'm here just for you. And it sort of focuses me and it gets all that other junk out of my head, right? I want to hear, I'm saying by doing that, I want to hear what you have to say in this moment. I want you to point out things. I want you to deal with me and show me to me. Show me yourself and show show me to me in light of you showing me yourself. So it's, you, you follow me, even just my language, my tone right now. So I need external quiet. I need internal quiet. And God would love to know from us that we're there just for him, that all other relationships fade away and we're present just for him. So that's God's mind on our noisy world. He knows it's noisy. He calls us to a space and place. And when we quiet down, he speaks up, right? Now, who's our model for this? Who showed us how to do quiet? Well, Jesus did, and that's what we want to look at because the Bible says that we're being conformed to his image. In fact, the Holy Spirit wants us to be as, as like him as we possibly can in the way we think, the way we see people, the way we live, our rhythms of life. And so that's why it's important to just look at Jesus and imitate him. That's why he said, follow me, right? That's an invitation to imitation, all right? And in Mark chapter one, verse 35, this is the life we're called to imitate. It says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, that's how Jesus did quiet. It was his practice to get up early. It was his practice um, to discipline himself in the morning. It was his practice to leave where he was and go off to a solitary place. I was just reading a book recently, and I was studying the word for solitary place. It's the word eramos, and it means a quiet place, a lonely place, a solitary place. Now, when you're in a lonely, solitary place, which is where we get the word solitude from, you know, we find solitude where we're alone with God in a solitary place, a quiet place. So it's a practice, okay? So let's just see that for what it is very simply. This is Jesus. Jesus lives in me. This should be me. As a discipline, as Jesus assumes control through the Holy Spirit in my life and my character and conduct and desires, change to become more like his 
I begin to seek a space and place of quiet that's solitary, where there's silence and there's solitude, where I'm just with God so that I can hear God, okay? Now, we see Jesus model that discipline of quiet over noise to hear God, connect with the Father, but we also see Jesus exhort his followers to do the same. In Mark chapter six, verses 31 and 32, listen again to the juxtaposition of noise versus quiet and what the encouragement is in a world of noise. Watch what Jesus does. It says this in the Bible, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. I want you to see the command words, right? Come, that's an invitation. Let's go, fellas. Do you know that today, right now, Jesus is going, come? No, huh? you, come, that's invitation, right? And then he says, with me. Right? That's connection. So it's an invitation to connection. He's like, hey, come with me. I'm going to go with you. Right? I'm going to meet with you. Okay? And then he identifies where they're going. We, we got to find a quiet place, right? Separation. So you got invitation, connection, separation. Very important, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. And that's what you're gonna find, right? When you accept the invitation to connection and separation, what do you find there? You find shalom, you find peace, you find rest, right? Your soul begins to catch up with your body. Does that make sense? That's what the quiet place did. It allowed Jesus to touch these men one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And I love that he encouraged them to do it. So when it comes to the practice and discipline of quiet, this is Jesus. Jesus is in you. This is you, okay? Now, to kind of finish strong in the study of winning the battle of quiet versus noise, all right, We've got reality, right, is that modern world's quiet. God's mind on the noise is that he knows it's noisy, he calls us to a space. And when we quiet down, he speaks up, we can hear from God. What's it gonna do if we make this a rhythm, if, if we adopt the rhythm of quiet time with God, all right? Four things happen. Number one, we start to feel the right things, right? When you're sped up, you're feeling the wrong things. When it's super noisy, you know what you're feeling? The anxiety the noise creates, the worry the noise uh, creates, the lostness, because there's a lack of connection that the noise uh, creates. Listen to God speak into this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength. I love the language there. Quiet, finding that place 
with the Lord in a place and with the person is a place of rescue. You get saved from things and released now into the safety and comfort and peace of other things. What, what does God save us from when, we, when we're in a place where he is? Well, he, if you're in a place where he is, you're gonna be rescued from anxiety because he will replace that anxiety with his presence. You're gonna be rescued from anger because in his holy, just, sovereign presence, there's no room for anger. He's got it, all right? He is the Lord and there is no other. Right? In his presence, his presence replaces your anger. Sadness, you'll find comfort. It's okay to be sad, but you're not just sad, be sad for sadness sake. In, in the midst of your sadness, in his presence, you'll find comfort. Doubt has to go, confidence is there. When you have the CEO of everything, right? the creator of the universe, in his presence, Right, and as you can see, I'm repeating that word presence because the, the, the secret of salvation is, is obtaining and possessing and, and saying yes to the presence of the Lord in your life. And what saves us sustains us, but we gotta be in his presence. And when we get quiet and when we come available and open, when our soul catches up to our body, we're in God's presence and we're there with him his very presence goes to work in our life. Don't you need a little more of that? And I know I'm talking to some of you, you've been robbed. You've been robbed of peace, robbed of joy, robbed of hope, robbed of confidence. And I'm just going to tell you the solution is God's presence, okay? So you start to feel the right thing. Second, you start to face yourself. You start to face yourself. Now, I'm with you once a week. You probably know a lot of things about me just because I tell you them, but there's a hidden me that you don't know. You know who knows the, the hidden me? Me, that's it. There's a hidden me with struggles and there's a hidden me with battles and there's a hidden me with temptations and there's a hidden me with pressures and there's a hidden me. Um, with confusion um, that I need to face, but I need to face it in the presence of God. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. You know, those unspoken pressures, those unspoken longings, those abiding secrets, those hard, realities about um, myself. God doesn't need to, to touch my image because that's false anyway. But who he really wants to meet with through his presence in the quiet place is the real me. And he wants to hold up a mirror and, and, and tell me who I am. Now this is who you really are. I know that you know people think you're this or that or the other thing but this is who you really are, and I want a, co a conversation, and I want my presence to touch the real you. I feel like God, even right now in this moment, is touching men.
because he sees the hidden you. All those things others don't know about, God sees and God is touching. God is present and he is touching those areas. He's calling you out from the lie. He's calling you out from the secret behaviors, the secret life that no one else knows about, the secret pain, or even I, I hear the Lord just saying there's secrets. God knows all about those. God's, God's truth and God's comfort and God's presence is making it safe for you to face the realities about yourself. Some men are dealing with shortcomings that have hurt their relationships with their spouses and kids. And God is giving his presence to you and is with you so that you can face those things and even talk to him right now about those things and find the confidence and peace to talk with someone else about those things today. So the power of quiet is that your soul catches up to your body, you start to feel the right things again, hope, joy, peace, confidence, assurance. You start to face yourself because the more we're in God's presence, the clearer we see Him, the clearer we see ourselves because it's all transparent. He sees us just as we are, not as we want people to see us. And then third, we start to sense Him speaking personally to us. I love the Bible because it tells us that when we discipline ourselves to seek the Lord and create space for him, this is what happens. It talks about it in Isaiah 30, 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus said, follow me, right? But to follow him, you have to be with him. You have to get to that place. He's still telling his guys, hey, come away with me to a quiet place so that you can find that rest. You stop, and in the quiet, my presence invades because uh, your, your body's slowed down, your head's slowed down, uh, you're relationally present, and then just my presence begins to minister to you. Wow, that's cool. I sense God is speaking personally to men right now. Where the noise just kind of has dissipated and God's calling you out. Um, to do something that's consistent with your identity, I feel the Lord speaking. To do something that involves bravery in connection to your identity in Christ, I sense that. God's speaking, God's speaking to you personally about a relationship, one that's fractured. God's speaking about your connection to a behavior that after you do it, you feel it has damaged you on the inside, that you, you, it makes you immature, you feel small after you do it, it's, it's out of control. And God's presence wants to release you from that, and that's that's my next point, is you, you, you're starting to feel the right things in the quiet, you're starting to face yourself in God's presence, you're starting to sense him through his presence, speak personally, He's, his presence is, and who he is, the force of who he is, is leaking onto you, and then you start to sense your spiritual freedom. Wow, 
you start to feel, whoa, I, I can just live for an audience of one. Not, I, I can just be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. I, I can just respond to the voice of my creator, the one voice, right? I'm free, I'm free to do what? To be who God created me to be. I'm free to be who God tells me I am. I'm his child. I'm a son of the king. And in that identity, that identity is now going to command my energy. I know who I am. I know what to do. That's freedom, right? There's no more confusion. In confusion, there's bondage and disillusionment. In freedom, there's confidence. I know who I am. In this quiet place, God has reminded me and reinforced with me that I'm his. I'm called to live for an audience of one. I am free. Only thing that matters is what he thinks, not what anyone else thinks, not what people think, not what culture says, not what my image on social media says I'm supposed to think or what people think. What's, what's true about me is what my creator says is true. Talks about this spiritual freedom that we receive in, in his presence in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. It says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I sense that reality is happening right now. That as you have chosen to discipline yourself and to be in the presence of God and the presence of his truth and the presence of his word, that he is eliminating all barriers to his presence and that his holiness and his goodness and his love um, and, and his comfort and his forgiveness and his confidence is now coming and washing over you and you're getting free in his presence because the barriers have been eliminated and you're being transformed. You're experiencing freedom in the Lord's presence. That, that's what the quiet place, that's what, what happens. That's the power of of turning to the Lord. That's what it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, and so I wanna tell you, brother, turn. Turn today, turn in this moment, turn tomorrow as a discipline. Accept the invitation to connection and separation so that you can live from that in a world that will place you under pressure. But in that pressure, you're gonna have freedom. So just in summary, on this whole issue of winning quiet over noise, God says, write this down, when you get quiet, I get loud. When you get quiet, his, God turns up his presence. God turns up the volume on his presence. God turns up the volume on his power. God turns up the, the volume on prophecy and begins to speak the future to you. God turns up the volume on his promises, he reminds you who you are, he reminds you what he said about you, he reminds you of his word, which is rock solid, which he cannot deny. 
He reminds you of your victories in him. He reminds you that when he's with you, nothing can stand against you. And that's what so many of you needed to hear today. But past this session, you need now to don your spiritual armor and fight for a space and place for you to get quiet so you can experience the power of quiet. And just as a final point, God does not need us, listen to me, I know this is counterintuitive, especially for you talkers like me, God doesn't need us to talk a lot when we're in his presence. And the idea there is when you're in the presence of power, of complete and total power, and you've quieted yourself to be in the presence and receive the presence of God himself through Jesus, where you have access to the throne of heaven, you have access to his, his position, access to his power because you're seated resurrected with Christ and you're seated with him. You don't need to talk a lot. Sometimes I think we talk way, way too much. Sometimes we think that God's really interested in what we have to say. Well, he is to a point, but we should be more interested in what he has to say and just be quiet before his word. Like, just say I played guitar. And I'm okay, but then I'm in the same space with John Mayer or Eric Clapton, okay? Master class. Guess what? Two things happen. That shut and these open wide. When you're in the presence of someone who is stronger, wiser, infinitely, in infinite amounts, infinitely more powerful, infinitely more able, infinitely more of everything, maybe we should do what we would do with a man who maybe knows a little more than we do in an area of expertise. Maybe we should be more quiet. Maybe that's why we got two of these and one of these. The Bible says, God is in heaven, you are on earth, let your words be F-E-W, few. That's why when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, it was simple. That's why when Jesus would chastise, you know, chastise the, the hyper-living religious guys, the hyper-religious, like, man, you, you pray prayers that are just absolutely too long, and they're not for me, they're for you to hear yourself talk. But I just wanna encourage you, listen to what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 5.2. Don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick. To tell God what you think he wants to hear. God's in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. So God wants you to receive in his presence. Can you do that? Can you win the battle of quiet over noise and go to a, a place and a space and re just receive in humility and faith where the quiet turns the tables on the noise, where noise would rob you of God's presence and voice. The quiet returns you to his presence and to his voice 
and secures the blessings of you now having your soul catch up to your body, you facing yourself, the hidden you, no one truly sees and knows, to start sensing him speaking to you personally, and then to begin through his presence to experience spiritual freedom. If that's your desire, I want you to, to put down everything, put down your notes, I want you to, let's just get quiet before the Lord together. Lord, we, we just come into this moment with a desire, our desire for you. And Lord, we know that you've made yourself available right in this moment. And you're not going to compete with the other voices and noise in our life. Lord, we recognize we need this space. We know that you want us to be like Jesus, your son. And even in this moment, we would say to you, we are here for you and you alone. We love your presence and in your presence, begin to bring your freedom Begin to replace doubt in us with confidence. Begin to replace, right now, worry with peace because of your presence. Begin to replace the, the justifications and lies we've been telling ourselves with your truth. Begin to replace confusion with clarity. Lord, bondage with freedom, Lord. All from your presence. Begin to replace wrong things with righteousness and right things, Lord. Right callings, right energy, right actions, God. Today, now, move in power through your presence, through us, through our lives, through all that we are, through, move your presence through all that we have, move your presence through all that we hope. Move your presence from this moment into our futures and carry us with your presence. Lord, thank you for this space and place. Keep ministering to my brothers right now as they're quiet before you. In Jesus' name, amen.